It's time for the Give Me Zone on the ref. 11. Now, this is a 12, guys. Now he's got to start worrying about qualifying for next year's Open and the Masters here. He's lost this tournament. He'll end up selling Countess Maritimes and renting golf carts the rest of his life. We're talking PGA, college, high school, local courses, and the latest golf news. I bet you slice into the woods a hundred bucks. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. Yeah. Okay, you can own it. Now, it's time for three tremendous slouches. Well, we're waiting. Brian Vineyard, Josh Helmer, and Matt Reynolds. Ah, giddy up, let's go. Happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome in to the Gimme Zone. Josh Helmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds. So, we've heard of calling in the, the big dogs, right? Well, how about calling in the big cat? Tiger Woods reportedly this week meeting with a number of top PGA Tour stars and two of those that have been very vocal along the way in support of the PGA Tour, one Rory McIlroy, one Justin Thomas, and they talked this week about, well, what did Tiger have to say and what was important about this Tiger Woods-led meeting? It's impactful, and I think it it shows how much he cares about the tour. I think it shows how much he, it, he cares about the players that are that are coming through and are, are going to be the next generation. Like, like it or not, you know, they can't really sell Tiger Woods anymore. They had tour had an easy job for 20 years. They don't they don't have Tiger anymore. Yes, they've got a bunch of us and we're all great players, but we're not Tiger Woods. So you know, it's a we're moving into a different era, and we just have to think about things a little differently. I mean, he's the hero that we've all looked up to, and you know, he's his voice carries further than anyone else's in the game of golf. You know, and, and he, his role is navigating us to a place where we all think we should be. I mean, I think it's pretty apparent that whenever we all get in the room, there's an alpha in there, yeah. and it's not me. <laughs> if someone like him is passionate about it, that's. Um... I mean, no offense to all of us, but that's really all that matters. Um, you know, if he's not behind something, then one, it's probably not a good idea in terms of the betterment of the game. But uh, two, it's just not going to work. <laughs> I mean, he he needs to be behind something, and um, you know, I think he's he's been a great kind of leading role and in a lot of ways in the game for a lot of us. I, I think he came because it was very important to him. It, it you know probably was just not something that he felt was. Um, appropriate to do over a Zoom or, or just to call in. And I think it shows how passionate he is about, about golf and, and wanting to improve it and, um, and paving the way for the next generation of, uh, of young players to come out you know, down the road. So there you go. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas talking this meeting that was led by or called by Tiger Woods to a bunch of PGA Tour stars. Don't really know details outside of we know this is about the PGA Tour in the Live Invitational Series situation. Beyond that, in terms of the details of what was discussed, not a ton of details that we know per se out there. My big question coming out of this, uh, this meeting is, which first of all, good morning, Brian. How are you? Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Matt. Matt, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. No, I'm doing great. My first question in all of this, Brian, 
we, we could dissect, of course, okay, does this mean something for Jay Monahan's future? There's a lot of different tentacles you could take with this. My first question is, why now for Tiger Woods? Is it just because it's convenient that any any major championships that I might have been fighting for, okay, well, obviously we saw how that played out. Those are behind me. Why, why now at the BMW Championship, if you – really had a stake in the game for the PGA Tour versus the Live Invitational Series, this little call to arms meeting probably should have happened three or four months ago. Not right now. Well, Josh, Matt, we got a crisis. And that's why they called in Tiger Woods. There's a crisis. They see the thing getting worse. They know we have a court date set now, albeit way down the road. But let's take one step further. You guys may or may not agree with this. What if Tiger Woods is positioned himself to take over for Jay Monahan? Could that be possible? We've talked about his playing days being over competitively, you know, due to his body and his injuries. Would that be the next step for Tiger Woods to stay relevant, to be the voice of the PGA Tour? Matt, am I wrong? No, I don't think you're wrong at all. And we talked about this, um, oh, what, two months ago? I mean, maybe three months ago, whenever this first started really becoming a real thing that Jay Monahan's done such a poor job. And Tiger Woods is the, um, you know, the knight on the white horse that can come in and save the day. And that, that appears to be what he is trying to do now. And I think it does set up that way. Uh, Jay Monahan has made more than the highest paid player on the PGA Tour for the past seven years, which is absurd to me. He's getting paid the most. And I, I just the way he's handled this thing, I don't think he's set up really to have a bunch of success and hang around and end up being, uh, the, end up being the commissioner very much longer. To your point, Matt. Jay Monahan's making reportedly $14.1 million to do what besides bungle this deal? It's a good point. Huh? It's a good point, Matt. No, it, it is. I mean, $14 million and last year, uh, you know, in the last six years, he's he's been – uh, I believe the only guy that out-earned him was Dustin Johnson one year, and it was maybe by like a million dollars. I think maybe the Masters year, the one he won that, which is just, it's just absurdity. It just is absolute absurdity that that's the case because who knows Jay Monahan? Nobody until now. And now we know him not for good reasons, not that he did something great. We know him for all the bad things that he's just completely missed the boat. So, I do think that it's being set up where Jay is going to be pushed out eventually, whether that's, you know, right after the FedEx Cup or, you know, maybe it takes a year from now. But I, I don't think he's going to be there just because of how poorly he's handled this. And once the court starts to uh, – the, the case starts to happen in the courts, guys, we're going to have discovery and we're going to see just how bad he botched this thing. So the meeting – was held at an off-course hotel, lasted three and a half hours. Uh, top stars, including Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, obviously Tiger Woods was there. 
For some reason, Ricky Fowler was flown in as well, even though he's missed the FedEx Cup playoffs for two years in a row. So, Will Zalatoris also. Will Zalatoris in attendance. Uh, it was uh, Here's what they said. One player who attended the meeting told ESPN, quote, it was about all the top players getting on the same page. It was a good meeting. Let me see. Who wrote this story? It was Mark Schlebaugh who writes a lot of the golf stories for ESPN. I thought one little note at the end of this was – pretty interesting so they uh talked with Patrick Cantlay who is the reigning FedEx Cup champion and he was asked whether having a meeting of only for example this type of meeting right for the PGA Tour about the live invitational series with Tiger Woods with Ricky Fowler with Spieth and McElroy and Thomas and all these top names that we know basically was it a mistake and would it create division among the PGA Tour to only have those names involved. Now, again, we know that the Live Invitational Series, Brian, essentially that's who they're trying to lure over, right, is the top players on the PGA Tour. But, you know, one of the other pieces eventually that the the Live Invitational Series, the guys that they'd like to get over, young stars on the tour that might not have taken flight yet. And those are some names that, again, might not have been uh, at this type of players-only meeting. I'm not – sitting here saying it was just this massive mistake, but that is an interesting angle that I wouldn't have thought of first. No, you're right, Josh. I think, you know, it does create some division because you have 125-plus other members of the tour that were basically told, yeah, you're a member of the tour, but I'm not necessarily sure your voice matters in this. I mean, Matt, I mean, if you're, let's say, the number 50 player in the World Golf Rankings, what are you sitting there thinking on? Okay, so I'm chopped liver now? Well, I think that's the main problem the tour has is that they are just trying to take care of the top guys. And in return, you know, let's look at our local guys. Max McGreevy, who was just inside that 125 right there. Uh, you've got also, uh, who look, he's had a great rookie season, Taylor Moore. Uh, from Edmond, Oklahoma, as well, in his rookie season. He is actually playing this week, so he made his way into the top 70 and you know, is, is, is going great, so good for him. But on that note, those are the guys that are just going to get absolutely crapped on. And, and the tour, supposedly, you know, they're going to pay everybody that comes to a tournament um, $500,000 if you have your full card. Keyword is full card. Only 125 members have their full card. So out of those 125, they're going to guarantee you that you make 500,000 for the year. But you start to look at it; those guys make 500,000. Almost all of them who have their full card, they already make 500,000 dollars a year. So it's a, hey, we did something, but well, you really didn't do anything because it's not like they're just paying them 500,000 on top of what they make. No, they're only paying you 500,000 dollars if that's you know, if you don't get to that earning. No, you nailed it, Matt. You have to make that much to keep your card most years, right? Otherwise, you're going back to some sort of qualification process, whether that's Q School or the Corn Ferry Tour, like our good friend Josh Creel, you know. Fortunately for him, because he had one on the Corn Ferry, he gets to go back into the Corn Ferry versus having to go all the way back to the second stage of Q School, which many other folks have had to do. And that's very painful if you have to go all the way back to that second stage of Q school. Oh, it is. It is. And it's very difficult. 
And where I think the tour has completely missed the boat is if they just take care of everybody outside the top 50, then, guys, they're not going to lose all the top 50, but they are going to lose some of those, and and that's some of the stuff they just can't control. But you could still have a really good tour. You're going to keep Rory. You're going to keep JT. You're going to keep Speed. Okay, great. You got some names. You keep the back half, uh, you know, 51 to 100. You're going to keep those. Great. Find a way to keep maybe 10 of the top 50, and then all of a sudden your tour is still doing just fine. Not not perfect, not what it used to be, but it's doing better. But instead, you know, I, I'm i interested because if, if Liv can find a way to create maybe a second side to this where other guys can play, does a Max McGreevy start, you know, thinking to come over if there's a spot for him? Well, Josh, let me ask you this. I'm going to read you this quote that Will Zalatoris put out. It says, I don't know exactly what the, the path is, said Will Zalatoris, but all I can say is every single person in the room who cares deeply about what's going on is going to care what's going forward. Is he hedging himself a little bit? I don't know what the path going forward is. Or was this just kind of a meeting where everybody throws out ideas and then they say, okay, Tiger, you're the alpha male. Therefore, you've got to go forward and tell Jay Monahan on our behalf so that, hey, he can't suspend Tiger Woods for saying something, but he could other people. I don't know. The short answer is I don't know the answer to that. And I would like to know more about what happened at this meeting. Again, it sounds great on the surface, but I kind of think that's all this is, is a surface-level PR move right here is oh wow tiger woods held this players only meeting okay well what did they discuss what are some options that are on the table what did they solve is jay monahan is his is his commissionership is that in question i mean what happened at this meeting if it was just hey we sat here for three and a half hours it said whoo boys we got ourselves a problem then i don't know that there was Anything that really got accomplished. And again, I go back to right off the top, why now? Why did it take so long for this to happen with Tiger Woods? If you cared about the integrity of the PGA Tour, the future of the PGA Tour, this would have happened a long time ago. Or did you want to listen to that $800, $900 million offer that uh, Greg Norman and Liv had for you before you decided, yeah, you know what, the PGA Tour has been pretty good to me. So I don't know. I don't know what it means for Will Zalatoris. I don't know if this was effective for any of the PGA Tour stars. Generally speaking, I would say that if Tiger Woods is involved, that's that's a voice with magnitude. I'm not trying to downplay that. It is. If Tiger Woods is involved, then just hearing from him can be a unifying factor. Again, I just question why so late in the process. And, again, there's not really been anything of substance that's been leaked out of this deal. I mean, outside of we know that they said, yeah, we got a problem. Was Cam Smith in the room? I don't think Cam Smith was in the room. (laughs) But, hey, is he not one of the top ten players in the world? Is he not a tour card holder right now? Has not been suspended? Why bring Ricky Fowler in and not Cam Smith? It's a good question because – they know that Ricky Fowler, I guess, is not going to the live tour. That's the rumor anyway. Why, why do you think, Matt, this meeting was called? I mean, that's the great question for me is just why? Why now? 
I think that it was called because of Cam Smith. When your number two player in the world is leaving, it's just different. All I've heard from, you know, the people that don't like Liv is, well, you know, they have just all the washed-up older stars. They just have all the washed-up older stars. Oh, yeah, Taylor Gucci's over there, too, but he doesn't really matter. You know, that's that's what everybody tells me when it comes to the Liv Tour. Now, it's going to be different when Cam Smith comes, and now they're saying seven other guys are coming with him. Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, we know those two are coming. The other five, Patrick Cantley, Xander Shoffley, those guys could be in that list. I mean, there's there's a lot of possibilities. So they start getting into that top ten with guys who are on the upper, you know, the upside of their career. They still got a lot left. All of a sudden, the talk gets a little different. Talk gets a lot different. So I think that's a lot of it is that the Open Championship winner is going to leave. And that's going to be a big, 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 big thing if he does go, which I think we all expect at this point. Hey, um, you're all on, signs are leading to that. You're on to it, Matt. And we, and Josh and I talked about this this last week. Is I have sources telling me that Hideki Matsuyama is one of those next round of players going over as soon as the FedEx Cup's over. Which it would make sense for him. It would make sense for him. Let's take our opening break and let's come back. Matt, we didn't get to hear your thoughts on any of that uh, last week with Hideki Matsuyama. We've got uh, Greg uh, Norman has pinned a letter for why the Live Tour should be getting official world golf rankings points. I still think that's a massive hurdle for them. And then uh, we've got the, the date for the uh, trial uh, for the Live Suit versus the PGA Tour. So what does that mean what's your reaction to that we can kick that around next right here it's the gimme zone on the ref back after this it's the gimme zone right here on the ref and it is brought to us by elite roofing systems craig cox and his crew they are awesome locally owned and operated they've got headquarters in norman and tulsa both and they've been serving customers in the greater okc area since 2010 okc area Number to call, 405-361-3094, or in T-Town, 918-984-5475. The uh, website to visit for everybody, EliteRoofOK.com. Okay, so right before the break, mentioned it. Brian's got some intel here. This has been a show of intel over the course of this spring through the summer where intel's looked Pretty good. Pretty good at we've been times. Good. We've been good. I'm not going to lie. We have been good, Matt. You started this, and we've been pretty good. And the intel from Brian suggests that Hideki Matsuyama will be one of the names to head over to the Live Tour, uh, well, soon. What do you make of that? I think that would be, I don't want to say bigger than Cam Smith, because I do think Cam Smith is the biggest. And I don't want to say the complete nail in the coffin, but boy, that would be the nail at least starting to get tapped into the coffin because Hideki is not only a really good player, but remember out there, folks, because of where he's from, he opens up a whole nother market, and the Live Tour is a tour that wants to be a world tour. He's going to open up a whole nother part of the world uh, for them, for golf, and for sponsorships and for everything else. And that just makes a ton of sense to me. I, I think if he comes, you probably see Cirque start to get in there and maybe sponsor a team. 
And that's really where it's going to take off. This league will take off in the next six months because they're going to get those big sponsorships like a Strixon, a TaylorMade, an Adidas, you know, you, you name it. Uh, Red Bull like they have in you know Formula One. They're all going to have teams, and those teams are going to be worth a billion dollars each. And if they are worth a billion dollars each, there's going to be a lot more players that do start to come over and realize, hey, the money's the money's the money. So I, I do think the more guys that come over, though, I just, I mean, you talk about Hideki, Cam Smith. It, I'm going to throw out two names, and I don't have any sources on this, but Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley both make a lot of sense to come over, a ton of sense. Both are in the top ten. If those two guys come as well or, or some semblance of that, some top 10, top 15 talent with Cam Smith and Hideki, this OWGR stuff I don't think is that big of a hurdle, Josh, because at some point it's extinct. You you can't even use it at, at some point. The majors are going to have to reevaluate because their tournaments are going to suck. We're not going to watch them as heavily if they don't have 40 of the best pl- players in the world. Well, Okay, there's a lot to riff off of right there, Brian. I I don't know. I mean, it's hard for me, just given that we've existed in this, to imagine a world where there isn't some form or fashion of rankings points to merit the inclusion in a major championship or some of these uh, just exemptions out there based on world golf ranking. It's hard for me to wrap my head around that. Not saying it's impossible, though, by any stretch of the imagination, especially for the the biggest events in the world, Masters, U.S. Open, Open Championship, and the, uh, obviously, PGA Championship. I mean, those four majors, they want the best players in the world there. And even though at times maybe in official world golf ranking, and especially in official world golf ranking that is no longer acknowledging players on the Live Tour and they're dropping like flies – well, yeah, you're not going to have as good of a major championship if you don't have a lot of those names around. Simple as that. Well, this is just simply fighting fire with fire, guys. Here's the deal. The PG, let's think about who's on the committee for the official World Golf Rankings. It's, it's people from the four majors plus Jay Monahan. So that's five of the eight. So if they vote in lockstep, they can keep the World Golf Rankings from recognizing these live events, except for what Matt pointed out, right? Because if these guys go over there and the names we're hearing, Hideki, and you think about Hideki, it totally makes sense because they're trying to get the best player from every country in the world, right? They're, I mean, why Abe answer? That's the reason, you know? So think about this. That's the way Live Tour fights this without, you know, yeah, the, the letter is going to look good in court for discovery and say, hey, we petitioned and you guys – ganged up on us and voted against us and voted us down five to one because Jay wouldn't recuse himself from that vote. But their tournaments become nearly obsolete if you pull out all those people. And what prevents, as we talked off the air, Josh, what prevents the live from saying, you know, we initially were going to be a big money, you know, select number of events for the best player in the world. No, we're going to go ahead and expand and be full throttle, head-to-head. Oh, and by the way, we'll have our own majors. You know, 20 years, 30 years from now, does the U.S. Open or Masters become far less than what it is today if if they go this route and try to not recognize these guys on the Live Tour events with official World Golf ranking points? I mean, Matt, th- this is 
this is headed down to a Frazier versus Ali fight, right? I mean, this is it actually. Is. It is. It, I mean, they went from being able to probably partner and find a way to work through this, but Monahan's stance was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. We said that. You said it. Josh has said it. You know, it makes no sense. You don't draw a line in the sand most times in the world and end up better off. And this is going to backfire big time. Matt? It is going to backfire big time. There's just no doubt about that. And the biggest reason I see it is just to what you said. I mean, it's as simple as take those live players, those 48 players out. Sure, sorry if you're Eugenio Chikara fan, but he's not going to be the guy we're missing at the Masters next year. But we are going to miss some players, obviously, at, at a very elite level. And I would argue that they should put events on those weekends. I know that that would probably upset some of the live players, like a Camp Smith and a Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau, who have those exemptions. Screw it, though. Just put, a, put an event on every single major, and within one year, all the majors will have changed their mind, every single one of them, because they have to, because it's going to make their tournament. I'm not going to say it'd make the Masters obsolete, but there would be an asterisk put on every single Masters that they don't have 48 of the best players in the world. Well, Matt, I don't think you even have to do this right away. I think you can wait a year because the way these people are following the rankings, if they don't give the Live Tour events rankings, a year from now, so the season of 2024, none of those guys will qualify. And so that's a good point. It takes care of itself point. right about the time. Oh, by the way, you're going to court. Mm-hmm. Which case will be proven? Which in the you know in the pantheon of the court case, probably going to help the live tours argument. If uh, all of a sudden you get into court and you say, "Look, they have essentially based on the way they've treated us and their decision on the official world golf rankings." If it goes the route, which I think kind of the three of us are in agreement here. I mean, technically they could approve the live tour for official world golf ranking points. I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't think any of us see that happening when again, PGA tour commissioner, Jay Monahan is on this, uh, this board of governors that would determine whether or not uh, you're getting official world golf rankings points. The others in- include the DP world tour CEO, Keith Pelly, who, Oh, by the way, very clearly aligned with the PGA Tour. We saw that. USGA CEO Mike Wan, RNA Chief Executive Martin Slumbers, PGA of America Executive Director Seth Waugh, uh, Augusta National Golf Club Executive Director Will Jones, Keith Walt- Waters, who uh, represents the International Federation of PGA Tours. That's the group that would decide the official world golf rankings points. And again, Matt, I think we kind of all sit here and say it would be a shock if they say yes at some point to the live tour. Technically, that's a possibility, but by the time you get to court, if things go the way that this is going, then guess what? Yeah, a lot of these guys aren't going to be eligible for a bunch of these big events in the majors simply because they're not going to have the rankings points for it. Unless they make that choice, which I think you've talked about in the past, Matt. They could go to the Asian tour, or there's avenues up there to go get official world golf rankings points, but you know it might behoove them in court to not go that route. Yeah, it might, it might behoove them in court to exactly to not go that route. But I, I just think at the end of the day, the Live Tour has the cards right now. And Greg Norman, he better play his cards right. Because if you play your cards right, then you're going to win the court case. And if you win the court case, it opens it up to where 
you could literally take the PGA Tour, throw them in a trash can, and say, all right, y'all can have your tour. We're going to have the top 50 players in the world, minus Rory, JT, and Jordan Spieth, and eventually those guys are going to want to join too. And, you know, hey, we'll go on about our life. Because this legacy crap that the PGA Tour is selling, it's going to go away real quick when these guys continue to come over. And sustained success is a big deal, too. The longer the Live Tour stays around, you know, two, three years down the road, if we continue to see the Live Tour progressing, building, well, at some point, you just got to say to yourself, oh, well, I guess this thing is going to work, you know, especially if they start selling those billion-dollar sponsorships for teams. So just real quick here, this was the – this was a portion of what Greg Norman wrote uh, in his application for official world golf rankings points for the Live Invitational Series. Without Live's inclusion, the integrity and accuracy of the rankings themselves are severely compromised. We trust the members of the governing board of the official world golf ranking will understand and appreciate this key consideration in that they will treat this development with the respect it deserves and consistent with their responsibilities as directors of the official world golf rankings and the duties that attend those directorships, end quote. So, I mean, again, like you said, Brian, a paper trail. No, it does. It creates a document, a paper trail. It says, basically, you have a responsibility, do it. And when you say, oh, okay, well, you're just not recognizing half the world's top 50 anymore, it's easy to go into court and kind of prove that, hey, you're not really adhering to your responsibilities. If, you're, if in fact, your whole goal is to have true official world golf rankings, or is it going to be only for people recognized by the PGA Tour? So rolling this conversation over into the, ne- the next segment here after a quick break, the January 2024th trial date, what does that matter in all of this? They tried to get a little bit earlier. Obviously, it's going to wind up being at the beginning of 2024. So what does that mean? We shall discuss next right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. The Territory Golf and Country Club brings us the Gimme Zone each and every week. Josh Elmer alongside... Matt Reynolds and Brian Vineyard. We've got a, well, we've got an initial trial date set for this antitrust lawsuit from the Live Tour players and the PGA Tour. Players from the Saudi-funded Live Golf who have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the PGA Tour, they'll be waiting about 16 months for this baby to go to trial. The uh, trial date set for January 8th, 2024 that's uh, from judge beth lapson freeman you know one of the interesting pieces of this the lawsuit was filed two weeks ago by 11 players now carlos ortiz has asked that his name be removed from the lawsuit live attorneys indicated it would need discovery material from nine players which basically indicates another player probably dropped out of the lawsuit as well so that's an interesting angle to all of this, Matt. How many of these, how many of these that, uh, how many of these golfers that have fired, filed this antitrust lawsuit are they gonna, are they gonna stick around on the lawsuit between now and then? I mean, that's 16 months away. Are we gonna see more of these guys drop out? What do you think? I honestly thought we'd be seeing more guys added, not dropped, and so I don't. I think it's part of it probably has to go with the one thing Liv absolutely botched 
they they screwed up really bad with the way they defended Taylor Gooch, Hudson Swafford, and uh, oh, what's the other the, the third member there that uh, Matt Jones. You know, the, the way they defended those guys, they absolutely just dropped the ball, in my opinion. Uh, and it was a big reason why they had no chance. They probably didn't have much of a chance walking into that to get a temporary injunction. But they absolutely just botched it. Everything they could have went after that they should have went after, they didn't. And so, to me, that's maybe a sign of some of these players, they're getting a little scared of, like, hey, I don't want to be in this and have all of my stuff. But it also could could be something that's genius on live and they're telling certain players hey Carlos Ortiz you got some stuff that in discovery is not going to help us well Matt I got a little different spin on it so how about the fact that we all realize that the live tour had some placeholders in the initial 48 that yeah probably not going to be around long term Carlos Ortiz World Golf Ranking, 142. Does that really fit the mold now that you have Abe Answer? No, it does not. I mean, obviously, you'd rather have Answer. You'd rather have Cam Smith. You'd rather have Hideki Matsuyama. Keep going on down the list, right? Xander Shoffley, who Matt mentioned as a possibility earlier. Who was the other name that you tossed out, Matt? Cantlay. Yeah, uh, Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay and Shoffley, yep. Well, so – Think about this, guys. Um, for Carlos Ortiz, who was probably a placeholder, and you can go down the list of the, the bottom 15 or 20 on the uh, live tour, and you can see that they were clearly a, simply a placeholder. How does Carlos Ortiz prove damages when he's probably getting compensated more than he's ever made or more than you could reasonably prove would be his future earning power based on past performance? So therein lies would be the argument to drop him from that lawsuit is because you don't want to give them anybody that they could fire an arrow at and hit real easily. Correct, Matt or Josh? Matt, fire away. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, you can't prove that necessarily for those other uh, guys just because they don't really give you the ability to prove that due to their world ranking and due to the – I don't want to say lack of success they've had, but Carlos Ortiz has had some success, but he has not won a major. He has not won a big WGC event like one Abe Answer did when he broke through. And so I think that plays into this heavily. This was an interesting note from this uh, piece right here. Freeman set a July 23rd, 2023 date for summary judgment. So what, about – half a year in front of when the uh, actual trial date is, at which point the tour is likely to ask that the case be dismissed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I sure, they're going to ask for it to be dismissed. It's not going to get dismissed. I, I just thought that was interesting that that was even in this story. Well, guys, one of the reasons they set these court dates on issues like this so far out is that the courts actually hope the two sides will be able to get together before some sort of settlement and, and and come to some sort of settlement because usually what happens when you start getting asked for the discovery documents then you're like oh wow there's a lot of dirt on my skirt maybe we need to rethink this and find a way to settle this that's a little more amicable than just drawing a line in the sand and say we're going to take our chances. 
I mean, to me, that I think is what will happen. If you if you look like we've got you know Noble McIntyre, one of our great sponsors, trial attorney. You know, a lot of times these guys settle out of court. They do. It's just you know it's a cost benefit deal. I mean, this court case could cost fifty million dollars up for each side. To the Saudis, that's nothing. Does the PGA Tour, as Matt has alluded in the past, have $50 million sitting around and then run the risk of, of losing damages potentially? So, I mean, Matt, am I, am I wrong in that? No, I don't think you're wrong in that at all. I think it's a very good chance that the PGA Tour starts to realize, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're going to miss the boat on this. Um, and we've got to make sure and protect ourselves for some I've long said in this conversation that these two can't exist, but the more the PGA Tour has defied Greg Norman and Liv Golf Tour and proceeded to call it the Saudi Tour and this and that and the other, well, guys, the more they've allowed it to not actually be able to probably coexist. And so that's going to be the hard part of this. Of you know, Maybe they can agree to you're going to stay off these 10 weekends of the year and you're going to stay off the majors. Hey, and Matt, and Matt, one of the other names that I was given some intel on that is likely to go over is Cam Young. And, yes, Cam Young's been a big one. And, he's, the, he's the best. He's going to be the rookie of the year this year. Yes, and so now you're saying that you're going to lose yeah, the best young player you've got on tour this year. And I think that's the genesis of this meeting, that these guys on tour – they're on the inside. They they know the names floating out, and they know who's likely to go and not likely to go. Somebody's had a conversation over a cocktail or something and spilled beans. But the reality is this is the way that if you bring Tiger in and then Tiger Tiger recommends, hey, guys, we need to get rid of Jay Monahan, and I'll step in and take over at least for a temporary time period to try to mend this fence and find some sort of resolution to this where we can both coexist without suing each other and getting into a bidding war, which the PGA Tour cannot win. That, to me, seems like where this, where this is going over the next six months. I had a friend listening to the show. Thank you for listening. It, it just texted me, and I said, Tiger Woods in the next six months will be at least the interim commissioner of the PGA Tour. And I'm saying it right here, putting myself out there. Oh, man. Okay, let's step aside for a moment. We'll come back. We'll discuss that. Tiger Woods, could he be the interim commissioner? I, I mean, I don't think you're crazy after, uh, obviously, this meeting this week. And we talked about that beforehand anyways. So, taking a final time out of hour number one, we got plenty more to go right here. It's the Gimme Zone on The Wrap. Closing up hour number one, it's the Gimme Zone. He is Matt Reynolds. He is Brian Vineyard. I am Josh Elmer. You are listening to the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. Tiger Woods. Matt, is he positioning himself to take over here as commissioner? I mean, is that really – could that be genuinely more than anything what this meeting was about? I think that we have talked about this on the show for quite some time, that the way it's been botched – we threw out the idea months ago that Tiger Woods should do this. And I do think Brian hit the nail on the head right there before the break. The only way that Liv and PGA can spark a, uh, a partnership and come together is if Jay Monahan gets out of the way and somebody else comes in. 
And that would make a lot of sense for Tiger Woods to do it for a few years and then hand it back off. And for Tiger Woods, it just sets up, Brian, the possibility for him to make a natural transition, really away from playing the game, and again to get deified. I mean, you heard right off the top, we could start next hour with maybe a little bit of what McElroy said, maybe not the full two minutes of McElroy and Justin Thomas, but I mean, these guys, they're deifying Tiger Woods. And I, I love Tiger Woods, right? But the, I mean, the way, the glowing way that McElroy and Thomas talk about this guy, it's, oh man, he's the, he's the hero of golf. When he walks in, it's just different. When Tiger Woods speaks versus myself or Thomas, it's like, well, yeah, I get that to a degree, but guys, you're better golfers than Tiger Woods today. You have more chips to toss onto the table than Tiger Woods today, and yet the way that these folks talk about Tiger Woods because of who Tiger Woods has been, they deify the guy, and historically, kind of the media has always done that, even despite all these personal struggles that Tiger Woods has had off the golf course. I know we've torn, torn him down a little bit, but generally speaking, Tiger Woods has been He's been painted as the hero of golf historically. More often than I would say he's been painted as this this villain off the course. So with that in mind, it gives him this chance to kind of one final time be that for golf. Well, Josh, you're right. I mean, Tiger took a game that was sitting in neutral, to put it in car terms, and he comes on and is the first minority to make a massive splash and take the game and introduce it to an entirely new audience, right? Every We all know Tiger is multiracial. And he took the game and made it relevant to several different populations that historically were not golf fans. And that raised the interest, the purses, everything for the PGA Tour. And he's got more skins on the wall than anybody else when you start talking about wins and Second only to the great Jack Nicholas and Majors. So he's earned it, and this would be the way to just put one more up there and say that's why this guy's the most important figure ever in the game. So this is dangerous, but Stephen A. Smith sounded off on Tiger Woods this week with his players only meeting. We can hit that next hour. And we do have golf going on as we speak, so we'll discuss that next right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. All right, hour number two. Here we go. Josh Elmer. Brian Vineyard and Matt Reynolds, hour two, as always, it's brought to us in part by the Territory Golf and Country Club, which I know, Brian, you had the pleasure of visiting very recently. Hey, folks, I went down there this week. That course is fantastic. It's in great shape. Me and another Golf Digest panelist went down there to rate it. Oh, my goodness. If you live anywhere near, and I'm talking 100 miles or less, Get down there. That The territory is a fantastic layout that is in great shape. Uh, they're new pro Austin, and and everybody has that thing looking great. Their staff was outstanding, and the food, oh, my, the Prairie House food, There's you. it's hard to choose what to eat. It's all good. So haven't mentioned it yet this morning, which, by the way, welcome back into hour number two of the Gimme Zone. How about Will Zalatoris? Matt, finally, monkey off the back. He uh, was this side of Rory McIlroy and this side of, obviously, our four major champions, which Rory McIlroy was not one of those, and neither was this gentleman. But aggregate score to par in our major championships in 2022. 
McElroy and Will Zalatoris were your two best golfers in the world. And finally, last week at the FedEx St. Jude Championship, in a playoff, Will Zalatoris prevails. It was nice to see Will Zalatoris get that win, Matt, after obviously being oh so close a number of times, really, this season in the uh, biggest events uh, in golf. Well, he'd been so close for so long, and you just wonder the weight that it lifts off him because there had to be a weight there. There's just no doubt about it. Um, and so I think it does probably lift the weight off him and allows him to maybe play a little more free. He just changed his caddy, and, I mean, crazy as it is, the week that he changes his caddy, the first week, turns out he's a winner. How about Azinger? I'm, look at this. I'm just – Looking at this line here, Brandel Chambly, which, by the way, we got to get into the whole situation there, the lawsuit, the defamation suit from Patrick Reed versus Brandel Chambly. Here was Azinger's quote. Quote, there's no amount of guaranteed money that could buy what he's feeling right now. <laughs> oh, yes, there is. I think Phil Mickelson would uh, would disagree with that statement. Hey, I, I'm totally happy for, for Zalatoris winning that. He did kind of, let's just call it what it was. He backed into that, right? He backed into winning that. Sepp Straka, man, that dude threw up on himself on that hole in the playoff, the fourth playoff hole. Par three, 140, 50 yards. He's got a wedge after he already knows Zalatoris is either going to have to try a circus shot off the rocks or go back to the drop zone. And then he proceeds to hit it dead right in the water also with 60 feet of green left. That's what you call choking. How the heck did this golf ball stay out of the drink? It hit four times or five on the rocks. It was. It, it looked like a pinball machine, right? <laughs> I mean, Matt, this is incredible. I'm, I'm watching the replay right here, and I've got to pull it up so Brian can see it too. I mean, how did this golf ball stay out of the drink? It was absolutely nuts. It would have been really electric if he would have actually hit it. If he'd have tried to hit it, it wouldn't have gone well, I don't think. Uh, but it would have been really, really electric if he if he did. Um, and, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with what Brian said. He did back into that win. Said, Seb Straka, how do you get up there? You see the guy is in trouble. Yank that thing as far left as you can so you're safe. I mean, there's no reason to go anywhere close to that water. And the fact that he did, I mean, just must have been nerves because – that or he should fire his caddy because if his caddy didn't tell him, hey, yank this thing left, make sure you just put it, you know, try to put it on the green, but on the left side, not on the right side near the water. I mean, what are we doing? Well, we there's got to be a lot he of could have laid up, guys, and had a better shot. Got to be a lot of nerves. And ultimately, the staying on the rocks didn't help or hurt Zalatoris because he ended up doing the right thing and going back to the drop zone because I think hitting it out of that crack, that thing hits the lip of that grass and goes straight back in the water and he loses the tournament. And that's where that new caddy probably, you could tell they were talking about it. And I think that's where he listened to that caddy and said, go back to the drop zone because Strzok had already hit it, his third shot in the bunker long. He said, he's not making any better than double. You go back to drop zone. If you get up and down, you win. Even if you don't get up and down, you, you keep going on to the next hole. And so I think that's good caddying by his by Zalatoris' new caddy. I think he talked him into making the right decision instead of the wrong decision. And, you know, there but there is a difference in winning and backing into one because next time you get in that pressure situation, 
are you going to be able to handle it? Well, and though we, I guess you could, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that Justin Thomas didn't win uh, his major down at Southern Hills, but Mito Pereira kind of vomiting on himself, I mean, that didn't always happen at major championships. Typically, yeah, you do have to, to go win the things. So generally speaking, okay, yeah, you can you can back your way into some victories and even major championships at times, but typically it doesn't uh, always work out like that, Brian. So it's Mito Vondeveld, huh? <laughs> That's right. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Not quite as bad, though. He didn't make a snowman on, on the last oh. hole. But, no, it – that's one of those situations that we've talked about. Having a good caddy, that caddy should have taken that club out of his hands and said, nope, you hit a hybrid out here to the left, you hit a six iron or five iron on the green, you make par, you dance out of here with the trophy, and you've changed the entire course of your golf career. But no, he didn't do that. Which, speaking of Mito Pereira, at, at some point over the next couple of weeks, we need to, and probably this is after the Tour Championship, we need to just unveil our own PGA or golfer of the year, rookie of the year. And unfortunately for Mito Pereira, I think this would be a clean consensus choke job of the year. I mean, that probably is going to be hard to top what happened to Mito Pereira. I did love this, too. This was making the rounds that uh, Adam Sandler congratulated Will Zalatoris because he looks like his caddy from Happy Gilmore, Matt. No, that was awesome. That was awesome, man. You know, hey, good good on uh, Adam Sandler because that's good marketing for him. Keeps him more relevant. And uh, what a great movie that is. But what a great uh, what what a great way to just say, hey, good job, Will. Good job, Will. And and Will's got to love that too because that's good marketing for him too. And Josh, we had some other news related to Happy Gilmore. That's not quite as as funny, but uh, you know that happens. Yes, uh, th- th- that does happen. Yeah. The-, the moral of that story is, folks, if you're going to drink, don't drive. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, here's a little, uh, by the way, Zalatoris talking about uh, his victory. What's going through your head right now? It's kind of hard to say about time when it's been your second year on tour, but about time. Was there any part of you with the seconds that you ever had moments of feeling sorry for yourself? No. This is why we practice. Every week that we're out here, there's some story of, of history. I've wanted to chase history my entire career. Anytime you get put yourself in contention, you're going to learn something about yourself. Did you did you prove anything to yourself today that you didn't already know? I can win out here. Well, it's just a matter of time. I think I've always had the attitude sorry, that the job's not done. I still feel like I've got some unfinished business going forward. You know, the grind continues. Sorry, Will, I thought we were just techno music the rest of the way. I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. It, it was important, right, Matt, that he was able to win? I mean, look, we could sit here and kick it around that maybe maybe it was helped out a little bit or he back backdoored into the thing to some degree. But at the end of the day, winning is winning, and there's nothing like winning on – any tour, whether it's the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, the Live Tour, whether it's a major championship, I've always said that, look, we all know major championships are the the greatest, and really in the game of golf, you're judged by do you have one and how many do you have. But beyond that, even though Zalatoris ends 2022 having not won a major championship, though he had multiple chances, 
I do think for him individually, just given the fact that, look, trying to track down your first W, however he could get it, this was gigantic for Will Zalatoris. And you're right on a large extent of that. And look, five years down the road, are many people going to remember that Seb Straka put one in the water after Will just about put one in the water, and that's how he won? No. He's just going to say he won that tournament and the first playoff event, and that's all we're going to really remember, if we're being quite honest. Now, uh, there's some crazy fans, maybe like me, that I probably will remember how he won his first one just because I watched it and experienced that. But for the most part, uh, 95% of fans, they don't, they don't, they're not going to care five years that he kind of backdoored his way into that. So I think you're spot on the money. And we've seen it with Tony Finau here just a, a few weeks ago. The guy's playing extraordinary golf all of a sudden, like he can't be beat. And that's because he had one win where he kind of backdoored himself into that win. And then next thing you know, he goes off and wins the next week. So that being said, it can happen in a flurry. And don't count out Will Zalatoris to go win the whole daggum thing as the FedEx Cup. I mean, he's going to have a chance to win it uh, next week. There's no doubt about it. I think he's got a ton of game, too. I mean, we start talking about young guys that could be around for a long, long time. Just the way that, that he drives the ball and some of the other piece of his, pieces of his game, putting, I guess, could probably improve for Zalatoris. But uh, he got a ton of game and not going to be the last time that we hear from Will Zalatoris. So I've got a Stephen A. Smith cut that I want to share with you that, quite frankly, shocked me to hear Stephen A. Smith say something that coherent. But <laughs> but he did, and we could share that with you next. I do uh, want to pass this along before we hop to a T.O. We've got the BMW Championship that is underway from up at Wilmington Country Club up in Delaware. This, uh, this is the final event, right, before the Tour Championship next week. Is that right, Matt? That is accurate. This is it. Okay. This is it. So, so I mean, we're coming down the home stretch here. Yeah, they moved everything up, guys, because of the President's Cup, right? Normally, this this takes place in late September, early October, and because of the President's Cup, they they altered the schedule this year. So, at any rate, we've got the second-to-last playoff event. you got the Tour Championship coming up next week, and you've got Adam Scott leading this. Round three, he's, uh, he's clear by one over a handful of names, so, some interesting names. Right here, Adam Scott, eight under par. Then you've got Jordan Spieth. You've got the Canadian, Corey Connors, Cameron Young, and Scotty Scheffler, all seven under par. couple of names that uh, Matt has mentioned this morning as potential names to watch in the future for the Live Tour. Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley, they are both six under par. Scott Stallings uh, is in that group right there, along with Rory McIlroy and Cam Davis that are six under par. And then uh, going a little... Ways down the board, you've got Colin Morikawa, who is uh, two under par today through three. He has moved to five under overall for this uh, BMW championship. Hideki Matsuyama is playing well. He is five Hello. under par, An- another name that we have talked about. Joaquin Neiman, five under par. So the uh, moving day from the BMW championship, that is underway as well. What are you guys watching for these next couple of days at the BMW? Hey, Josh, you totally skipped Kurt Kitayama. What was important about that? We talked about it last week. His brother was my caddy at Band. Ah, yes, 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 yes. That's where I get a lot of intel. Lot intel. So, 
No, uh, great leaderboard for the PGA Tour, right? They couldn't be happier about that this week. They've got a lot of guys that are their bigger names in striking distance. And, hey, Cam Young, he's going to take this thing to this week is my, my pick. The stamping of Rookie of the Year for one Cam Young, Matt, you like it? I do. I Before he said that, that's who, I was just about to say, that's who not only I would pick, but that's who I hope wins because – and I, I want to see these live guys go out with a bang, and I want to see Jay Monahan have to hand them that FedEx Cup, whether that's Cam Young or Cam Smith or Leishman. We know that one's not going to happen. Adam Scott, um, you know, maybe, maybe he could be one of those guys too. But, no, that would be awesome. That would be absolutely awesome. That's, that is my best-case scenario is that he has to hand it over to someone that I'll be watching in Boston the next week at the Live Golf uh, <laughs> event. Be beautiful. Yeah, anything that makes Monahan squirm is is pretty worthwhile and a worthy champion. It'd be good to see Cam Young rewarded for obviously uh, a great season, and I think easily the Rookie of the Year season and a second place finish right there at the open championship do an opening timeout of our number two the gimme zone is brought to us by elite roofing systems craig cox his team over at elite roofing systems they are headquartered in both norman and in tulsa and they've served customers in this the greater oklahoma city area since 2010 Free quotes, they are bonded, they're insured, affordable pricing as always over there at Elite Roofing Systems. So OKC area number to call, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475, online, eliteroofok.com. It's scary, I understand that. We will walk you through this together. In arms with us, Stephen A. Smith has some thoughts. He has sounded off on the... PGA Tour versus the Live Tour on Tiger Woods versus the Live Tour. We'll share it with you next right here on The Rev. Hour number two, it is the Gimme Zone right here on The Rev. Always fun hanging out with you folks on a Saturday. Fun hanging out with Brian Vineyard, with Matt Reynolds. And speaking of having fun hanging out, Matt Reynolds, you know the perfect spot out there to... Beat the heat, even though, hey, we we did for a momentary moment this past week have a little bit of a cold front move in. But, hey, if you're looking to beat the heat, Indoor 18 is the spot to do so and still get those uh, all-important, well, those reps in and get those rounds in. Well, not just beating the heat. It's beating the time, too. You know, if you can't – if you don't have three or four hours to go play, it's a great way to stay in playing shape. Uh, but be over there and, and hitting, um, you know, some balls. And you can play around. You can just dial in your numbers. You can just hit on the range. You, you can do whatever you want. Uh, they got a lot of possibilities, over 128 courses over there, including uh, some of the more famous ones. They have the old course where they played the Open Championship, uh, which is one of my favorites to play over there. So a lot of good things they got going over there. Check out even Ender18.com. And they're moving to their new facility here in the next month or so. So. Check that out. Uh, not moving far, but going to be a little bigger space and you know, have an outdoor putting green as well. So that'll be awesome. So there you go. Get a little taste of uh, the outdoors if if you need some of that, too. I love that. That's great news to hear. No, it, it is awesome. And the, uh, the ability to chip and putt is nice, too, because you can't really do that on a track, man. You've never done that. 
Now, track ran is not great for putting. It's, not. <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily designed for that. All right. Hold on to your lunch, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen A. Smith sounding off on Tiger Woods, a top PGA Tour stars meeting. And here's what Stephen A. Smith had to say, along with the first take crew. Any issue with Tiger Woods speaking to the top PGA golfers to rally support here? I have a big issue with it. Really? I really, really do. I'm disgusted by it. Um, let me explain why. Um, <clears throat> the United States government, their number two trade partner, from what I've read, is Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. I thought this was America. I thought we were a capitalistic society. I thought competition breeds our greatness. That's what I thought. Tiger Woods is sitting there acting like the PGA should be the only game in town. When do we say that? Now, granted, if you're the only game in town, you're the only game in town. Mm -hmm. We see the USFL and we see arena football, but we know it's the NFL and then everybody else. You can have the G League and college basketball, but we know it's the NBA and everybody else. You got Major League Baseball. We understand that you can have those things, but the chances of you usurping them and eclipsing them is slim to none. They are established brands in the United States of America that garners the support of millions, and as a result, that's what we're going to flow with. I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. That's America. You establish a level of dominance to the point that it don't matter what some competition is going to do. Cool. This is different. You got the PGA banning cats from participating. You got Tiger Woods supporting feeling like players betrayed the PGA. What you owe the PGA? What you owe the PGA? You work. You produce. You go out there and you earn your money. They don't pay everybody. Winners get paid. Losers don't necessarily get paid. I don't know all the particulars, Twaggu and Molly, and I'm not pretending to. Yeah. I'm addressing principle. Meaning American principle. Now, I'm a black man first, forever and always, and very, very proud of it. But I am, a, I, I am a proud American citizen, and I do believe in the American system when it talks about capitalism, when it talks about meritocracy and, handi- and handling your business and holding your own and may the best man and woman win. So if you better than live, be better. If Brooks Kepka and, and Bryson DeChambeau and Bubba these boys, when Bubba Watson yeah. and them, with Greg Norman leading the pack, if they want to develop another league and the PGA, go compete with them. All right, there you go. Brian, initial reaction to some of what you heard. Never in my life did I ever think that I would agree with Stephen A. Smith on a take, but he is spot on much of what we've discussed I mean, I don't know what bringing his race into it had to do with Yeah, anything. that was curious it at was the like, end. Like, what does that have to do with anything? I mean, capitalism is, is open to everybody of all races. And, and, you know, I don't know what that had to do with it. But anyway, he's, you know, as most of us know, he is a massive mouthpiece that, you know, goes for reaction. But I think he's spot on. I think. What he said is hard to argue, and I think that's going to be the basis if it if it actually makes it to court. I mean, that's going to be the basis because none, as we discussed in previous shows, none of these other leagues have done anything to prevent competition. 
They didn't haven't tried to prevent competition from the XFL, the you know NBA ABA deal, right? They weren't trying to prevent competition. They reached a, a merger agreement, correct? I mean, they did. So the reality is, golf is trying to take a stance that violates all of the antitrust rules, right? And that's where I think ultimately you're going to lose in court. It's like, especially since they're not employees, they're independent contractors. They do not work for you. They work for themselves. And his point about they earn it. They go out and earn the paycheck. It is not given to them. Getting on tour does not grant you a paycheck. Matt, wrong or right? Right. And I don't know what else more I could say. I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Not not very often that Steve Naismith is actually, I, I don't even want to say factual, because I don't know that he had any facts, really. I just think he <laughs> had at least an idea there. Um, but we'll give him credit. He at least was in the right ballpark on this one. And that's uh, that's more than what we can say on others. Let's just say that. We'll call it he had a good producer that gave it to him. How about that, Josh? Teed it up for him. That's right. He's, you know, there's reports out there that Stephen A. Smith has been listening weekly to the gimme zone so we can kind of just you know handshake to both of you great job gentlemen we have uh, convinced Stephen A. Smith to come over to the uh, right side of this uh, equation here from the PGA Tour and the Live Tour and, and you're welcome Stephen A. Congratulations you're welcome for all of this content that we have handed over to you willfully. Hey, and if you get him on, you're going to have to turn the volume way down relative to the rest of us. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. He, he is uh, loud and rambunctious. It is nice, though, isn't it, Matt, to just on that type of platform, first take. I mean, I can sit here and poke fun, and, and I do on a weekly basis, the hot take nature of a first take, the kind of clickbait society that first take and undisputed, those types of debate shows. I mean, that there's so much about that that for the world of sports, I'm just not crazy about. And yet you kind of do have to acknowledge the relevance of those shows. I A part of me, again, hates to say it, but it's nice to see on that platform on a show that, look, a lot of people, casual sports fans, I hear it from folks all the time. Oh, well, did you see what Stephen A. Smith said? Did you see this clip? Did you see that? It's nice to see on that type of platform that it's not just regurgitated PGA Tour speak, right? I mean, it seems like a lot of the media talking heads out there, oh, man, this is just ridiculous. Why are these guys defecting? And folks haven't necessarily taken the time to think or dissect. Like, if you want to be pro PGA Tour on this deal, and I think kind of all of us have, been pretty clear about it's not necessarily being anti-PGA Tour. It's more about being pro the right to play where these guys want to play, to have the freedom to play more than just one tour. It's nice to hear that it's not just that regurgitated, hey, how could you have done the PGA Tour dirty like this? Right, and that is honestly what we've heard completely from the Golf Channel, which I get it. I, I understand who's paying their bills. I get that. Uh, they're in bed with the PGA Tour and Randall Chambly and everyone else. Uh, you know, that's, it's kind of part of it. But it is unfortunate for the world of golf that Stephen A. Smith is the national sounding board. Uh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, that part's a little frightening. <laughs> that the golf media hasn't woke up and said, okay, all right, yeah, we, we get it. We understand this. I've only seen... Really, one other guy, uh, and that's the the, uh, the ESPN caddy, 
uh, Michael Collins. He's he's done a pretty good job of being very down the middle on both sides and a true journalist. And there's times where he you know he sounds pro PGA and there's times where he sounds pro live. Which look, there's pros to both sides. I get that. I understand that. But when you're just pointing out this or that or the other, I mean it 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 just looks silly. No laying up. They're one of my favorite shows for a long time now. But they just look silly. They they tweeted out this week. Uh, there was a Saudi woman who, I guess, retweeted a women's rights thing, and she's been sentenced to 34 years in prison. And they tweeted that out and said, look what Liv's doing. I mean, do you do that about Formula One? Do you do that about Uber when you take an Uber? Do you, you can go to so many businesses that these people own and operate that people are just absolutely clueless here in America and they think it just as this league that they operate. Well, how do you think these people have so much money? It's because they've really diversified and invested that money into smart things like Uber, where they own it, like Formula One, where they own it. They have so many things. And that's just literally two things, keys in the cog. But they have a lot of different things that they are a big part of that we use on a regular basis. And so if we're going to say, well, we got to boycott them, and I'm not saying I obviously agree with you know, throwing a lady in prison for 34 years uh, for retweeting a women's rights activist tweet. But at the same time, you can't just X them out of golf and then not X them out of everything else. So if we're going to X them out of golf, well, then let's go away with Uber. Let's boycott Uber. Let's do this. There's a lot of other things in the world we need to do if that's the case we're going to do. And I might add, uh, you might start with not going and filling up your gas. Well, let's X them out of China too, right? Let's take Chinese uh, products out of our market if we're going to go that route. They have the same, you know, atrocities against their uh, freedom of their citizens. So if we're going to get into that, that's all. I mean, we could talk for weeks about that. But I think you hit on something, Josh, that's worth talking about is there's not a lot of true journalism left out there anymore in the world today, whether you're talking about sports or politics. Everybody's taking a side that not necessarily is factual and tries to convince people that it's factual versus laying it out there for people to make their own decision based on the actual facts. Am I right or wrong? No, I agree with you. And I I hope that we've done some of that on this program. Probably we've kind of erred on the side of we agree with these players that have defected for the live tour. I mean – I've been pretty clear about that, that I think that they should be able to play on both tours. And until I see more about what the PGA Tour handbook says and, you know, there's not necessarily contracts that a lot of these guys have signed, until I see some of that language that specifically shows me and illustrates to me that, no, you you can't play multiple tours because guess what? These guys do play multiple tours. They played Asian Tour events. They played DP World Tour events. So, until you show me where it makes sense that you can't play on one tour or you, you can't live in a world where you can't play on the live tour and then, oh, by the way, you can play on the DP world tour and this tour and that tour. You can't exclusively single one tour out, right? Or you have to show me language that says, no, these guys signed up to be exclusive with the PGA tour. Until I see that, it's just hard for me to get on board with the idea of how a lot of this stuff has played out. I hope that we've presented over the course of this the idea that, okay, here's here's kind of both sides of the equation. Ultimately, just think kind of the PGA Tour is in the wrong on this deal. 
Well, Matt I, or, and Josh, I did look it up. You know, a lot of that stuff's online. And the reality is they did sign up for that. You know, but the wording is so vague about having to get these exceptions and what would constitute one. It basically comes down to you give one guy a dictatorship and one tour a dictatorship because the reality is, you know, the people on these other tours are trying to scratch out just enough money and prestige so they can get to the PGA Tour in most cases. And for that to be dictated by a set of rules that is no ability to be negotiated tells me that that's a dictatorial environment, which is really counterintuitive to everything. And there's and there's no players union either, right? Like you no. have in, in other sports, right? So there's no bargaining. It's take it or leave it. And that's the problem that I personally have. I love the PGA Tour. I am pro great golf. Now that great golf does not have to be exclusively on the PGA Tour in my mind. I how many times have we all got up and watched, you know, European tour events early in the morning on Saturday or Sunday morning when there's little else on TV? Matt, I mean, love it. I mean, I just think, you know, it. it we're headed. It, there'll be a resolution. This will not go all the way through court because the dirty laundry will be so dirty that they can't recover from it. Speaking of not going all the way through court, Patrick Reed has filed a defamation suit against Brandel Chambly <clears throat> for a ton of money. I don't think he's going to be successful with this, but that's that's something that we can chat about next. And I want to get both of your thoughts on it because it's interesting, if nothing else. Patrick Reed is he's good at playing the villain role. There's no doubt about that. So let's take a timeout, a couple more segments. It's the Gimme Zone Saturday edition with you right here on The Wrap. Josh Elmer back with you alongside Matt Reynolds and Brian Vineyard. A couple more segments of the Gimme Zone here on a Saturday. We'll update the scoreboard. We'll make some picks before we get out of here. That's coming uh, your way next before we call it a day on the Gimme Zone. Teased it, though, before the break. So Patrick Reed has, and I find this fascinating, Patrick Reed, the nine-time tour winner, has filed a defamation suit in the Southern District of Texas against Brandel Chambly and the Golf Channel, alleging they have conspired as joint tortfeasors for and with the PGA Tour, its executives, and its commissioner, Jay Monahan, to engage in a pattern and practice of defaming Mr. Reed, end quote. The lawsuit uses quotes from Chambly from his time on the air with the Golf Channel and Sky Sports, as well as uh, several podcasts to allege damages in excess of $750 million dollars. Of course, uh, this is in addition to the antitrust lawsuit. Reed's lawsuit, though uh, different for many reasons, it does invoke uh, some of the similar uh, type of antitrust discussion. Interesting, though. I mean, does he have, Matt, any sort of chance of winning this defamation suit against Brandel Chambly? Zero percent. Absolutely zero percent. And this is something that, look, Liv's got a lot of good going for itself right now. Uh, something where Liv looks stupid and somebody needs to go to Patrick Reed and say, look, drop this. Let's act like it never happened and quit doing stupid stuff. 
Well, Matt, I'm going to take a little bit of different spin on that. You know, these these cases like this are filed all the time, and rarely is there a monetary judgment, but a lot of times there is a judgment, which is, you know, encompasses a cease and desist and a uh, form of apology, public apology, which I do think will happen in this. I mean, because you're saying he's going to play for Joseph Stalin or Adolf Hitler. I mean, that's... That's way out there, and I think it goes to show goes to the point that you guys referenced earlier in the last segment about the media being quote unquote in the tank for the PGA Tour and especially the Golf Channel. You know, there should be a point in time where you can't just say anything about anyone. I know that public figures like an athlete or a politician, you know, the general public or the media gets away with a lot more than they would against another Joe Q public versus Joe Q public, you know, type of situation. But, you know, there needs to be some constraints on people that have a forum like that to say ridiculous things, because I know, Josh, we make a point of it here at this station to not do that, you know, to somebody. And I know not Every station in this market does that, but we do because I just feel like that being above the fray at some point is the better position to take. And and I and I, I really like Brandel Chambly. I like his you know what he does for the Golf Channel, but I think he really took himself to a really poor level on this one. You know, I think it's just the seven hundred fifty million dollar price tag on the defamation suit for me. I'm listening to some of the language here. Here's uh. Here's how the suit kicked off. Listen to this. Quote, misreporting information with falsity and or reckless disregard of the truth. That is with actual and constitutional malice, purposely omitting pertinent key material facts to mislead the public and actively targeting Mr. Reed since he was 23 years old to destroy his reputation, create hate and a hostile work environment for him, and with the intention to discredit his name and accomplishments as a young, elite, world-class golfer and the good and caring person, husband and father of two children, he is. So there's more to it than that, but, you know, quite frankly, I can actually sort of understand that, that, yeah, his character has been defamed to a certain degree, but it just comes across as a money grab when you're Patrick Reed and, oh, by the way, you just joined the Live Tour that, is paying some very, very lucrative contracts, and this is a $750 million defamation lawsuit? Really? $750 million? I mean, did, have they cost you that type of amount by defaming you? I, I, I can understand. You know, the part of it that I, I do understand the most, the hostile work environment. Now, he's not going to be Patrick Reed on the PGA Tour anymore, Matt, but if there's anybody that has been – based on the way the media coverage has has been toward a player, Patrick Reed over the years with the being labeled as this cheater, which, quite frankly, he probably brought a little bit of that upon himself. I can see where, yeah, it probably has been hostile at times for him on the tours. Yeah, he definitely has brought some of this on himself, and that's the part where I'm like, hey, are you really helping yourself here? There's no doubt. Randall has gone way, way, way too far. He's off the deep end on some of this stuff. And I do think that he should be checked to some level. But the two big things that just make Patrick Reed look like an ass in this thing is $750 million is way too much money. It just looks like a complete cash grab. You, hit the, you, you really did, you know, I think label that one correctly, Josh, from the standpoint that, you're already getting a bunch of money. Like, let's not make this out to be about cash. 
But that's what everybody points to directly because it's so much money. And the second part of it is you did cheat. You did cheat. And so, yeah, he went after you for cheating, but you, you did the act. So probably, you know, you just kind of have to deal with some of the repercussions of that. Yeah. And, I mean, how are you going to win that one? Uh, how are you going to win that portion of it, the defamation lawsuit in court, when they look at it and say, well, yeah, I mean, Mr. Reed, you broke the rules. You did cheat. It's like, okay, well, good luck, Mr. Reed. I don't know. Interesting, though. We're due one final break, and let's make some picks. What do you say? We got the BMW Championship moving day. Adam Scott, the Aussie atop the board, will make picks, and then we'll say adios next right here. It's the Gimme Zone on The Ref. All right, one final time. We're back with you. Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. want to say thank you, as always, to our great sponsors. That includes Elite Roofing Systems, Craig Cox, his team over there, They are headquartered in both Norman and Tulsa. OKC area number to call, 405-361-3094. Tulsa, 918-984-5475. Online, EliteRoofOK.com. Free quotes, they are bonded and insured. And, of course, they've got affordable pricing at Elite Roofing Systems. Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard, Matt Reynolds back with you one final time, which means, hey, we've got moving day underway and we've got picks to be made. Adam Scott at the BMW Championship uh, entered today on this moving day atop the leaderboard. He is eight under par after rounds of 65 and 69. Some uh, interesting names right there behind him. Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, all seven under par. Uh, Colin Morikawa, we told you earlier this morning, was uh, five under par overall for the tournament. He has now added another birdie, so he's six under par for the tournament, three under par today. Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, both uh, six under par, and Rory McIlroy, six under par. A bunch of other names, too, to uh, keep uh, a lookout for. How about John Rahm today? Wow, he just finished up. He went six under par today and now is five under for the tournament. Who do you guys like? Matt, let's uh, kick it over to you first. Well, I'm going to steal Brian's pick. He already said it. Uh, but Cam Young is who I legitimately do think will win this tournament. Uh, he's been very he, – he's similar to Will Zalatoris of last week. He's been right there in a lot of these stretches, and especially in the major ter- major championships uh, this season. So I, I think this is his week. He pushes through and is able to get through the mess. I'll also make a prediction that Adam Scott's going to drop like a rock. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. <laughs> Brian, what do you think? Uh, I got to agree with Matt. No putting for Adam Scott. That dude can't putt a lick. Um, I like Cam Young, but since Matt took it, I'll do a second one. I'll go with Zonder Shoffley. I like his game a lot. I do too. That's actually – now I got to make a different pick because that's who I was going to pick was Zonder Shoffley. No, it's all good. It's all good. I don't think this don't is how it's going to – no, 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 Adam Scott for me. No, I got no the faith on Adam Scott. I'll take the unders. <laughs> no faith in Adam Scott. I don't think Jordan Spieth wins this tournament either. I kind of think there's too much pressure on Scotty Scheffler, but uh, just for storyline's sake, I'll say that Scotty Scheffler wins, picks up what would be his fifth uh, victory of the season, and essentially puts a bow on who's going to be the golfer of the year if Scotty Scheffler wins this weekend. There's no debate. Well, hold that. You never know. But that's probably correct. 
It's hard to deny Cam Smith, but hey, Josh, we have so much going on here at the station. We've got football in two weeks, and we're going to have some breaking news about KREF and game days in the next seven days of what we're going to be doing game days, home and away. And we've got some big-time new stuff with high school sports. Tell everybody, because you are like the centerpiece of this. One of them, you anyways. You and Perry, for sure. <laughs> One of them, for sure. KRefSports.tv, where we've already gotten our high school streaming season underway. And we are so pumped. We are so thrilled to have added the Edmond Public Schools, to have added Deer Creek into our streaming portfolio, our repertoire. We already, of course, serve and broadcast the more public schools and the Norman Public Schools for years and years with uh, the MPS schools. So, man, it's just been so fun. We've already had several softball and volleyball broadcasts, of course, for all of those schools. You've got every single football broadcast will be streamed coming up this fall, krefsports.tv. And really, krefsportstv, that's our Twitter handle over there. That's the best way to keep up to date with just kind of what our streaming schedule looks like. But, man, it's fun. We're happy. This is uh, another new journey for us to have added these new new schools out there that are so awesome and obviously have great histories in their own right. So it's just fun, man. We're looking forward to it. Can't wait to, uh, obviously for me, get the football season underway. But, really, we're kind of already underway with the streaming stuff. So it's great. No, I agree, Josh. Hey, the other thing that's out there is – Hey, we've got an entire army on Twitter, right? We do. Our regular Twitter handle, at KREF Sports. Get on there and be part of our Twitter army. It is unbelievable. I know one of the other, not to be mentioned, hosts took a pot shot at us, and he just got buried, drilled on Twitter. Yeah, he, he got... He got absolutely body bagged, no doubt. Oh, it was bad. You got to love it, though. You got to love it. The, the KREF army is strong, strong. Hey, Matt, man, have a good weekend, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, dude. You guys, too. Talk to For Brian, have a great weekend as well. Likewise, Josh. Thank you for everyone listening. For Matt, for Brian, for all of you out there, so long. Give me zone next week. We'll do it all over again. See you, everybody.